I think I want to um, just start with prayer. Father, we pray that you would speak to our hearts and um, tell us things that we need to know to be encouraged or things we need to know to um, be better informed. Maybe there's something that we need to be corrected in the way we think, or maybe we just need to know that you're in, interested in what we're going through and that you're leading and you're sovereign and you're good and that you want our church to be involved in the very um, center of the work that you're doing in the world right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to talk about the pieces of armor that the Christian puts on and there's uh, most people would say six and they would go through the list and look at six but some of us think seven is a better number just because the last one seems like uh, prayer uh, is just another another piece of armor. So I want to talk about this armor that we're talk we have here. Uh, I don't know if you've been watching the news lately. I'm assuming you're getting some kind of news. You're probably aware that there's uh, war in in Israel, the the land that we read about in our Bibles. We had a group of people that were scheduled to go there, and two days before they were scheduled to leave, this whole thing. Uh, kind of blew up and uh, obviously they had been making long-term plans to go on this trip and that got halted but uh, and the thing that we do when we open our Bibles is we we read about all these locations and so it's very real to us it's very relevant in terms of uh, the physical warfare but we've been addressing the, the spiritual side of it in Ephesians 6 the spiritual warfare that we face I think we know those things are kind of intertwined. Uh, what is underneath the physical war that's taking place in Israel right now is the spiritual war. And it's all, tie, it's all tied in together. But I, I, I had someone, I've had several people I'm sure would rather that I just jump right to the book of Revelation and go, well, how's it all going to play out? And go there. You know, we're right in the middle of this. It's like, let's go there. And I said, well, hold on. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I've said this for the last several years, and I think some of you have been tracking with me. It says, well, I don't know where we are on the exact map, but it feels like the, the clock has kind of sped up, and we're, well, something's happening that feels pretty significant. But I can't give you a, I can't say, well, this is where we're at. Uh, I got a, a, a call from my stepbrother um, it's either yesterday or Friday, and he's like, I haven't talked to him for a while, and if, if you know him, you'll know this is kind of how he works. He just calls me up, and he just doesn't say hey or anything like that. He says, so, is, uh, are, are, are we going to get raptured up before this stuff gets bad? And I'm like, okay. I said, well, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. I said, uh, but I think what well, we need to make sure that we're being faithful right now that we're, we need to be faithful. And I, I told him, I said, you know, I've read a lot of books and I've heard a lot of people talk about their um, timeline. I just not sure on some of this stuff, but I do know that we need to be faithful. And I do think that if we're faithful, then God will help us to be ready for what's in front of us. Like, what do I wake up today and to do and tomorrow and do and whatever. So I, I want to be bi biblically informed, which means I need to read uh, eschatology, but I also want to, I don't want to get my head so lost in that 
that I'm not being faithful every single day in the spiritual battle that's right in front of me. So that's my little um, eschatological spiel for the moment. And then I think there's a purpose why God has us in this, uh, in this location in our Bibles right now at this time. So we're, we're told to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. So my primary confidence isn't in how long it'll take to get a speaker of the house. Um, I, I wish it would, they would hurry up and make up their minds. Um, my confidence isn't in the 2024 election, though I'm, I'm, inter- I'm very interested in it. My confidence isn't in uh, our economy or um, who's winning in the, the, the culture war at the moment. My confidence is in the Lord and His strength. That's what I need. That's what you need. Um, he's, he's winning. We're winning. We're going to win. So I need to keep, we need to keep our eyes on the Lord, our strength in the Lord. And then we're told to put on armor, these certain pieces of armor that are described a little bit later so that we can stand against the devil. The devil is attacking. The devil is working. The devil is active. He's got a strategy, a very, very well thought out strategy. Uh, He's had a long time planning. He's had a long time working. He's very good, very good at evil, very good at doing wickedness. He's very good at attacking, assaulting, deceiving, lying. His propaganda is the best. And therefore, we have to be able to stand. And if you're not in the Lord's strength, you won't stand. You won't stand. You'll get knocked down. You'll get run over. You'll get defeated. You'll get your teeth kicked in. You will get killed. Um, That's how serious this is. So we stand in the Lord against a very, very intimidating foe. Um, And we wrestle. I'm sure you've physically wrestled before. Uh, especially you know what that is if you're a parent and you have boys and they just wrestle. And they're very um, determined to wrestle. But this is a different kind of wrestling. And so we know what it is to physically engage. We know what it is to have competition on a battlefield, on a, on a football field, competition on a basketball court, competition um, on, a, on a chessboard. Um, checkers, whatever. We know about competition. It's the very fabric that we come into this world with and we like compete for attention. We compete. But this is a different level. This is a different layer. It's a different level that we're wrestling. We're physically engaged in a battle and it's spiritual. And there is um, the rulers. It involves powerful rulers, people in authority, huge authority, high levels of authority and cosmic powers, um, global powers and this present darkness. There's a darkness that's not just the sun in the sky. It's not just daylight, um, nighttime kind of struggle. It's a, there's a spiritual darkness that if you're not attuned and you don't recognize it, you don't even see it, but it's there and it involves um, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so it's, it's, it's this world and other world. 
it involves all the forces. And we're told that we're in it and we need to be keep our eyes on the Lord and that if we do, He's given us some armor. And I want to talk about that armor. I, I, I didn't make it but through three, three pieces. I was going to try to do six and I did three. So if I stay on track, I'll get three done. Okay? Uh, but let me, let me tell you what they are. This is our armor, our equipment. Every Christian needs every piece. You need every piece. You don't like go, no, I'm interested in the shoes. Or I'm interested in the helmet. Like I like hats. I'm interested in the helmet. And you know, some of you like have ridiculous number of shoes. And you're like, I'm interested in the shoes. And it's like, no, I want every Christian needs every, you need every piece. You need every piece of armor or you're going to be vulnerable. Okay? You don't just pick out your favorite one. It's like, you can't have a favorite one. You need all of it. You need every, everything to be able to stand. Okay, so the first one is the belt of truth. And then there's this breastplate of righteousness. And there's shoes for your feet. Uh, there is a shield of faith, which is part of your armor. And a helmet, salvation, a sword of the Spirit. And then I like to call it the weapon of all prayer. You need, you need everything. Head to toe, you need to be ready and not vulnerable and open. There, not need to be, there needs to be no gaps, no, no vulnerabilities in this, okay? So let's begin by talking about the, the belt of truth. So um, I don't have on a belt right now because my pants are sufficiently tight, okay? Okay, so I don't need it at the moment. Some of you... Might not need a belt either. Um, maybe it'd be nice to need a belt. But um, I remember one time I saw this guy. Um, I was actually, I remember where I was. I was living in Roanoke, Virginia. And that was back in the day when like super, super loose, super baggy pants were like cool. If you were cool, you, you could see your underwear like halfway down your bottom. And it's like, I don't even know how guys could walk. It's like half the time they're grabbing their pants, always pulling their pants. I said, there's a solution to that. So you can either get a new pair of pants or um, a belt. A belt would just be a one. But belts were not cool, and your pants had to be halfway down your bottom if you were cool. Um, but how this works, though, is I watched, I came up to a stop sign one time, and there's this guy, and he was, he was cool. He had all the pants down to here, and he had a drink in one hand, and um, he had his food and his drink. He was getting ready to cross the street. But all of a sudden he realized, if I'm going to make it across the street, I need to run. And he started running and he's grabbing his pants. With, he's got his drink in one hand and he grabs his pants in the other. And he's trying to get across the street. And he's, he's on the safe side. The traffic coming's on the other side. So he needs to get across the whole street. But he, he, he can't hold his pants up, and he trips, and he literally face plants. Drink, face, probably the rest of his underwear showing now. Um, but that was somehow that every pe people thought that was a real cool style. But it wasn't very practical, okay? And I'm just going to tell you there's a lot of Christians running around, and they don't have their belt on. And they're, they're not running very well. And it's, there's a belt that's called the belt of truth. And they're believing lies. And they're letting a lot of lies into their lives. 
and they're not, they don't have the truth of God's Word holding secure. A soldier had a belt and everything that he wore was dependent upon that belt being secure so that he could go and do. He needed the equipment that he had on, but the equipment helped keep everything together. Um, a policeman, I asked one of our state troopers, I said, how much is all that stuff you wear? And he said, like 25 to 30 pounds of equipment on their belt. And they carry that everywhere they go. And you, on one hand, you might say, hey, wouldn't it be a lot easier to catch the bad guys if you just threw that belt off and started chasing them because they don't, they don't have a belt on. And they're like, um, can run more easily. And obviously the answer is, well, no, I need the stuff that I have on because that's what I use to protect my life. And sometimes to stop the bad guys, I need this equipment on. I, it's not safe to just take it off and run. And some Christians are just taken off and running. They're letting every influence come into their brain. And I can't tell you how, how disappointing it is when I see pastor after pastor after pastor saying things that are not in agreements with God's Word. And they're teaching their people all these ridiculous things that are not in the Bible. And they've taken the belt of truth off. And they're running around like, oh, I'm free. I'm free. I don't, I'm not tied to the, to the Bible anymore. And they're saying that um, they're saying things like well, homosexuality is fine and, and you can have a homosexual priest and you can, um, you can be what you want to be and it doesn't matter that God made you male or female, you can be whatever you want to be. You can meow and bark if you want to and that's just cool and all these lies are being told to people and there's people standing up in the name of God pretending that they're proclaiming God's word and they've taken the belt of truth off and there's they're casting lies from every... It's amazing to me. People, I go, no way, not that person. I'll see another thing and I get the art. There's no way, not that author, not that person I thought. I thought that guy was solid. I thought these people were good and they're just veering off and people are attending churches. People that you and I know and people that we love and they're attending churches and they're like going, all their life they've been standing. They've been, we thought they had the belt of truth on tight and they've taken their belt off and they've loosened it up and all these lies are sneaking into their, their lives and, and they're, just, they're just slipping and they're going in direction. You're going, how in the world? Did this church veer so badly? How did this person, how did this Christian, I know, you know, I know you and I both know lots of people who go to churches that are liberal, super liberal, but they've remained somewhat conservative, and, but they don't realize they're being impacted. If you hear things week after week after week, you're like, no, no, we're here to hold the fort because I have family members that go to this church. So we're here, we're the conservative ones, even though I don't necessarily agree with everything going on. And they stay there week after week. And next thing you know, they, they, they've received so much stuff that they're no longer, their lives are no longer held together by the word of God. The belt is just gone. It's called the belt of truth. What is the truth? God says, I am, I am truth. My word is truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the life and the truth. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That was a truth that ties our belt together. There is no other, there is no other way to God. There is no, all the other religions are not truth. Jesus alone. There is no other way. There is no other belt. You can't get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the gospel of this book. You can't make up your own Jesus. You can't say, well, I like Jesus, but I don't like the gospels. And 
So we're looking for Jesus in there. We're looking for him in there. Is he in there? Is Jesus in there? Is he in the book? Oh, oh, we certainly don't like the Old Testament, so he can't be in that part. And I don't like the parts of the gospel, certain parts of it. But we're going to see if we can take and make a, bring a, find a Jesus in there and mold him like Plato into what we want him to be. That's lies, lies. That's Satan. And people who think they're walking around have their pants hanging down and they think they're walking in the truth and you're not and it's going to get you. It's going to get you. And it's happening in our culture everywhere that people who think they're walking as Christians have lost the truth. And folks, the first thing you have to do if you want to be a soldier in Christ and you want to be ready for this spiritual assault that's happening before our very eyes you have to know where the truth is. And you better put it on. And I want to challenge some of you parents. I want you to tell you. I can't tell you. You have no clue. If you're a parent in here, then you're older than your kids. Do you, do you understand that part? And things aren't the same as when you were a kid. Not the same. If you remember when there were no cell phones then you're not living in the same world your kids are. Okay? If you remember playing ball in your neighborhood and people playing around after school every day, then you're not living in the same time that your kids are. People don't do that like that. I know part of it's the mountains and you don't even know your neighbor might be 700 feet below you elevation-wise. I understand neighborhoods are different in the mountains. But the world around us has changed. And as Christians, it's your responsibility, parents, to get your kids to where they're hearing the Word of God. And I want to I say this. I've said it before, but I'm going I'm to say it. If you're more interested in your kid making a ball team than God's team, then you need to step back and rethink. I, I love sports. I do. I love watching them. I, cheer. I can watch anything. I can't. People say, I really haven't gotten into curling. But most every other sport. I know some of you northern folks love it, and I said, that's good for you, but I'm, I'm going to switch over to something that's a little faster. Okay. But I like anything with ball, jumping, running, shooting. I do. I, I love sports. It's just right up my gear. It's in my wheelhouse. I love watching it. I can cheer and yell and be amazed at different stuff. But I want to I send out a newsflash. Um, just because your kid is doing travel ball he's, does not mean he's going to be a pro. I'm sorry. He might not make pro. She might not make the Olympics. You know? But it's okay. And here's, my, here's, my, here's how you've got to balance this. Our, our kids did that stuff, and I loved it. I enjoyed the, loved the competition. But don't sacrifice the belt of truth for a medal, a trophy. They're not equally important. 
And so what is important in your home? Don't send your kids out without their belt on. Okay? It's never been more important. It used to be you would pick up elements of truth in culture. Even kids that didn't go to church were going to pick up elements of biblical truth in the culture. That is way gone. They're going to be assaulted when they go into culture. And they better have their belt on before they leave your house. Okay, so this is part of the spiritual war that we're in. And I want you to think about that as a parent, but I also want you to think about that as just simply a human being. Because lies are coming at you so fast that people are trying to run across the street and they're tripping because they don't have a belt holding everything together. They don't have the belt of truth. They don't have God's word. So I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that this book is vital to holding your life together. This is what holds it together. You just can't please stop believing that you have enough truth and that you're grounded so well that you don't need to keep coming back this and that you're safe and somehow you're a Christian because you were brought up in a Christian setting and you're safe. You, can just, you just got it together and you're out there. I'm telling you, people's uniforms are falling off. You have to remain in the truth because Satan is glad to help you loosen your belt. Okay, it's just very important. Okay, so we, we just can't be passive here. Okay, so secondly, the breastplate of righteousness. I love this. I love the breastplate of righteousness. The, I love, you know, you remember the days with the three-piece suit? Remember those? As a kid, I just thought, oh, man, just one more thing I have to put on. It was terrible enough going to church, and then they make you wear a three-piece suit. It's like... You had a little vest on, but the, the, the piece of armor we're talking about now is like a vest. And policemen have a vest. A soldier would have a vest. Um, and there's a vest, and the vest is um, thick and protective, and it's supposed to cover your vital organs, your heart, um, your lungs, Everything that's vitally connected. Like I could get shot in my leg and it would be different. And it could pierce, even go all the way through. And that would be very um, painful. But it wouldn't be the same if I got shot here and it went all the way through. My vital organs, my heart, my lungs, um, something like that. And there the vest is important. And so God says, um, do you have your vest on? Do you have your vest, your, your breast, breastplate, breastplate covers here. Uh, the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is important in God's work, in our standing with God. Righteousness is what either means you're in or you're out. You're either in the kingdom of God or you're out. And it's based upon righteousness. It's based upon perfection. It's based upon whether you, you measure up to the law or not. The law determines righteousness is, let's take part of that and just say rightness. 
your rightness or wrongness. That's, that's kind of an easy way to explain. What is righteousness? Your rightness or your right standing with God. You're either, you're either right in your standing with God or wrong in your standing with God. And the gospel tells us that it only takes one, one defiant act against God to be on the wrong side of the law, the rightness. It took Adam and Eve one sin and the world, see how serious this is, and one violation of the loving, kind rule of God. One act of rebellion in your heart made you switch sides. And so you went from original righteousness to Adam and Eve to original sin of Adam and Eve. So original sin means they were no longer in a right standing with God. They were on the wrong side of the law, on the wrong side of the court, on the wrong side of the judge. And as non-believers, we are not right with God. And not before you became a Christian, you were on the wrong side of the law. You were a guilty sinner. You had lost righteousness. You, you really never had any because Adam's unrighteousness was passed on to us. That's how we became sinners. We became sinners not because we sinned. We sin because we're sinners. We have a sinful nature. It's our nature to sin. It's our nature to do what is not pleasing to God. It's our nature. It's easy for us. It's natural for us to do our, go our own way, do our own thing. And therefore, we are born in sin. We are born with a sinful nature. We are born on the wrong side of the law. And we need to get on the right side of the God. We, need to, we call it, we need to get right with God, which means we need righteousness. How do you get right with God? If God is righteous, God is holy and I'm unholy, I need, I need to fix that. The problem is I can't fix it because everything I touch turns to sin like me. Even if I do something, my best motive is still polluted by some sinful motive. I can't, I'm not pure. I can't bring pure offering to God because I'm, I'm unrighteous. So everything, all my best works, it says in Isaiah, are like filthy rags. My best righteousness, the best I can give God is still polluted with me. And so I still have unrighteousness attached to me. Where am I going to get a breastplate covering my heart? My Where am I going to find this righteousness? I've never actually seen it with my own eyes. I've never seen righteousness with my own eyes, but I've read about it in this book. I, this book that tells me what right and wrong is, tells me about God and God's law and I, I, I see people trying to be righteous and failing in the Old Testament. They're trying so hard to live righteously and do right all the time. That's what it would take 24-7 from the day you're born to the day you die. You have to remain perfectly righteous because Genesis makes one thing very clear. It only took one sin, one violation, one unholy act to make someone unholy. And therefore, no one, I'm looking around, I don't see anybody. You see anybody in the Old Testament that's righteous? Do you see anybody that's perfectly righteous? Anyone that meets up to God's standard? No, that's why you see a whole system, a whole system of religion, a whole system built upon the fact that no one was righteousness. And it was called the Old Testament religious system, the Old Testament sacrificial system. The only way for someone to be righteous, there had to be a sacrifice a sacrifice had to be made. In the Old Testament, for sinful people, there was no sinless person. So for sinful people, God says, I will accept for now, temporarily. I will temporarily accept 
a righteous offering. Okay, Lord, what is a righteous offering? Well, it could be a, a lamb, it could be a, a bull, it could be a goat, it could be a pigeon, a dove. I ha God gave a list and said, here's some things that I will accept that you can pay for or purchase some righteousness so you can come and pray and, and meet with me and be in a right relationship. But, God says, but, God says, it, it's not going to really work. It's really not going to work. It's just temporary. But I will honor it. I will honor it until I can provide real righteousness for you. I mean, I don't know. A goat isn't real sure he did anything righteous or not. So he's not a really great it's like he's just a goat. And he just does goat stuff. So I can't really think that that goat's going to make me have a right standing before God. But God says, I'll take, I'll take the lifeblood of this goat and I will consider it, I will count it as righteousness. I will, I will, I will allow you into my presence based on you doing this because I'm going to do this. I will send my son instead of the goat, instead of the lamb. The lamb of God will come. And so when the lamb of God comes, then I will give you the lamb of God is the son of God, Jesus Christ, who was perfectly righteous. He's the only righteous person that has ever or ever will live. And he had all of his own righteousness. It wasn't borrowed righteousness. It wasn't implanted righteousness. It was the righteousness of the Son of God. And he lived and kept every one of God's laws. So he could stand up against the law of God. And God could say, look at that one righteous person, my son. And he said, I will take my son and nail him to the cross to atone for your sins. I will take and do what unrighteousness deserves. I will... I will call him unrighteous. I will take your unrighteousness and I will place your unrighteousness on righteous Jesus. And therefore, I will appropriate or apply your guilt to him. And on that basis of your guilt, he will be, who is righteous, will be considered unrighteous and nail him to the cross. And therefore, unrighteousness will be atoned for by the righteousness of Jesus and to prove that God had accepted, he raised him from the dead. Jesus said, Lord, here I am, I offer myself. And God took the offering, said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You, I, in you I am well pleased. It's the only person he could ever look at him and look at the law of God and say, in Jesus, I am well pleased. Every requirement here, I am pleased, I'm satisfied. And when he satisfied, then Jesus, in the power of his righteousness, rose from the dead. And that's what I'm wearing. When I accepted Jesus, he became my righteousness. I have none of my own. In Isaiah, it says that all my deeds are filthy rags. I have no right. I don't, I don't go to God and say, Lord God, I've I, I done good. Did good on the day of judgment. I've done good. Lord, look at those college students. I'm better than them. Look at those people in here, those sinners that come in this church I'm, I'm good. I stand on my own standing. I would never what a fool, what fool would ever say I come and stand on my own. Just give me what I deserve. What fool. 
would ever ask for what they deserve. We ask for grace and mercy. And God says, then put your faith in, in my son Jesus. So he brings the righteousness of Jesus and the gospel is the offering where God says, here, you want my son? And I'll, if you'll take my son, then I'll give you his righteousness. And it guards my heart like a, like a vest, like a um, breastplate. And so when I go out to fight, I fight and I stand in the righteousness of Christ. I don't go out there and go, hey, aren't I a good soldier? Have you seen my aim? Have you seen my strength? I'm fast. I run. I am like I'm good. I, you know, modern warfare. You see me on video games. I'm awesome. No, I have nothing to bring to the table. I stand in the righteousness of Christ. Because of Christ, when I go out, I'm His. I belong to Him. And the Bible says in Romans 12, in Revelation 12, it says, verse 10, it says that Satan is the accuser of God's people. And every time I go out, he's accusing me. He says, you're no good. You're, you're scandal. You know what you did in the past. You know you've lusted. You know you've looked at porn. You know you've lied and stolen. You know you've gotten drunk. You know you, he, he's accusing me. He says, you, you, you're dirty, unworthy. You're right. And I've said this many times. You know what I say when Satan accuses me? See, you're absolutely right. I'm guilty, 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 guilty. But I don't stand in my righteousness or unrighteousness. I stand in Christ's righteousness. I said, you're pointing out my flaws. Let me point to Christ because he has no flaws. I stand in the righteousness of Christ. So when I go out and Satan's accusing me of all my failures, I say, you know what, you're, you're right, you're 100% right. I've done everything you've accused me of. But you've made that horrible mistake of imagining that I now claim to stand in my own righteousness. I stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ who defeated you on the cross. And guess what he does? He leaves. Because he can't stand the righteousness of Christ. And he can't stand when I call him out. And Satan will do this. He'll try to make you think that you're your old self. And he will accuse you and mock you. And other people will do that and say, Oh, you call yourself a Christian because I saw you. You lied yesterday or you gossiped or you slandered. And you go, You are so right. I am so sorry. I, I, did, I did do that. I am so sorry. But just so you know, that's why I cling to Christ. I cling to him because I'm that sinner you just pointed out. I am. I am guilty. Guilty as charged. But I stand in the righteousness of Christ. So I point to Christ when someone comes and accuses me. And then I have to make sure that I'm in Christ. That I am trusting in that righteousness of Jesus Christ. So I, I can fight now. I can go out in the name of Jesus. And then I want to talk about your shoes. Um, no, not your Nikes or your... Um, whatever, shoes. I want to talk about shoes, these shoes that it talks about here and it calls them the shoes of readiness and the gospel of hope. Readiness makes me feel like, go forward, go forward. I, I like the, the readiness sounds to me like the gospel. 
the gospel, the Great Commission. It's like, we ready? You got your shoes on? We're going. We're going places. We're going places for the Lord. But you got to have your shoes on, standing in the righteousness of Christ, in the righteousness of Christ. And I've got my my belt on, and I'm standing. And the truth of God's word is keeping my life together. And I'm going forward, built on the the truth of God's word, like holding my life together. And then I'm standing in the righteousness of Christ, and like I'm ready to go, ready to go. Why, why do they put cleats on the bottom of athlete's shoes so they can get a good grip and they can take off? And so it's slippery or whatever. And God's like, got your shoes on. Soldiers got to have good shoes on. If you don't have shoes on, you might step on glass or someone's sword in the middle of a battle. And it's like, you got to have your shoes on. You need your shoes on. And soldier's shoes were very important. They could be taken out of the battle just like that if an uh, uh, arrow hits their shoes or, or they, you know, Again, they, they, or they're slipping, they're slipping, they can't get their, their grounding. And you need to be grounded in the gospel of hope and peace, the peace of God and the hope of God. And, and the gospel, like I'm, I'm secure. I need, like if I want to go out, I'm secure. Like I, I'm, I'm grounded, I'm well grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I understand the gospel and I understand, also means I understand a false gospel. I understand when the gospel is not being preached in Galatians 1. Paul said, cursed be anyone, even myself, or an angel of God, if anyone preaches any other gospel. That's in the first chapter of Galatians. When he's explaining the gospel, he begins by saying, cursed or damned. That's really what he's saying, damned. Eternally damned to be someone who tampers with the gospel. Someone who comes in there and tries to make the gospel easier, takes away and says, no, no, you don't need to repent or you don't need to do this or you don't need to do that. And the gospel is simple. Turn from your sins and turn to Christ and His finished work on the cross. And someone comes around and starts changing and tampering to make the gospel easy. It's like, we want to be inclusive. And you can live in sin and you can do this and you can do that. Just come on in. We just want to put rainbows over our church and say, y'all come on in. It's like, no, we're not playing that game. How dare you tamper with the gospel and say the gospel is something that it's not or detract something that's central and core to the gospel. And therefore, the gospel, the, our confidence in what Christ has done for us makes me ready and I feel well grounded. And, and I hope you, you feel the same way. Okay, um, the belt of truth. This precious gift to us. So many lies coming at you. So much propaganda. So many things. Are you, are, you, are you sure? You have your belt on. Christian, is your life held together by the Word of God and the truth in this book? Is it? You say, well, yeah, I think so. And another question comes, well, then how are you keeping it on? I know it can be tough to read the Bible. I know that. I know you have other things you want to do. I know that. I know how easy. But I'm just saying, I'm just telling you, if you don't be intentional, Satan will do everything he possibly can to divert you from picking this book up and reading it. When you say to me, I'm struggling reading this book, then I could simply say back to you, then Satan is winning. He's winning because he is going to get you. He's going to let some truth slip in there. So tighten, tighten that belt, my friend. Keep your life together based on the Word of God, not by cultural waves. And the blessed, pray, 
breastplate of righteousness is Christ. Do you feel that? You sing that? When we sing songs, it's Christ, what He's done for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. It's just like gratitude, like, oh, Lord, thank you that it's not, I look at myself and I see failure, all this. Thank you, God, that it's not my failures that are the basis of my, my heart being right. It's your righteousness. You are my righteousness. It's like it makes you love him. It's like, oh, Lord, I don't want to go anywhere without my vest on. This is, this is my new identity in Christ. I have righteousness. I'm accepted before God with the righteousness of Christ. It's like beautiful. And then I'm ready, Lord. I'm like, I've got my shoes on. Where, where, do, you want, where do you want me to go? Um, blessed is the, the feet of those who bring good news, Isaiah said. And that's our job. We're like, people should be like, oh, there comes a Christian. He's got some good news for me. Here comes a, a Christian. He's going to tell me about Jesus Christ. And instead of people, I don't know. I don't know that people always welcome us around. Or some Christians are just absolutely obnoxious. And I'm not sure that just because you call yourself a Christian means that anybody's glad that you're coming around. But people who want rescued, and they, they don't see you as living the Christian life perfectly. But they see you striving to live the Christian life because you've fallen in love with someone who is perfect. You see the difference? It's such a difference. It's not, you're not going, hey, look at me. But please don't. Please don't act like that. That's when people are so turned off. When people act like, well, I'm a Christian, look at me. I'm living, the, I don't cuss, I don't drink, I don't do this, I don't do that. Look at me. It's such a turn off. But how about you, in your mistakes, say, look at Christ. He's forgiven even me. And then someone goes, wow. That was pretty authentic and honest. Maybe Christ could have me. You're pointing to Christ. And that He is your Savior, you, the sinner. Your Savior. Okay, that's some good stuff. Um, so I just want to... Uh, we're going to sing now. And as we sing, I want you to think, what is my response to this? What is my response? Do I need to tighten my belt? Tighten my belt? Stay close to the Word of God? Do I need to um, make sure that I've, I've, uh, I'm standing in the breastplate of righteousness, Christ's righteousness, Christ's righteousness guarding my heart, and this, this is my real identity? It's like I'm in Christ. That's what makes me safe and, and ready. And then um, am, I, uh, am I eager to be a messenger? Like do I feel God calling me? Like, no, put those shoes on, let's go. You're my servant. You're my messenger. You're going to... You're going to go out there and fight in this world, in this culture for my name. Just three, three pieces of equipment. Um, get, them, get them on. Get them on. And if maybe the first thing you need to do is just, maybe you need that righteousness. Do you, do you have that righteousness? Have you ever called out to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, uh, here I am, the sinner, and I need your righteousness. And that's how you become a Christian. Like, Lord, I, I'm tired of trying to do everything right. I can't do it anymore. I can't. I've been trying so hard on my own and I can't find that righteousness. Will you, Lord, I, I give my, my sinful self into your hands and your care today. Will you have me? And he says, yes, I am. I died on the cross for you. He will come into your heart. He will come into your life today and you say, Lord, I need, I need your righteousness. 
I've, I don't know that I've understood this Christian thing. I think I've been trying to be a Christian. I've been trying to live it. But I don't know that I ever understood that it was your righteousness that you would bring your righteousness to me. And so maybe that's where you start. Maybe today someone here is just like going, Lord God, it's never been more clear to me. I need your righteousness. Will you save me? Will you save me based on what you did on the cross for me? I'm putting my faith in you. I'm changing sides. I'm coming over, Lord. I'm coming to you. Jesus says, come unto me and be saved. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this glorious day. Thank you for this beautiful weather. Thank you for the word of God that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And I pray that that path would be bright and your, and your word would come. I pray, oh God, against Satan, that he would not snatch away this seed that has been planted today and that you would open any heart, any eyes to see and understand. And if there's someone here today, God, that's ready to reach for you in their heart, I pray that the, you would just, just, they would know right now that your heart and your gospel is open to anyone right this moment who would come unto Christ and right where you are, right where you're seated, seated, right where you stand and sing, that your heart would just reach for God and say, Lord God, have my life, have my life, take me, Lord. And he will, and he will begin you on the journey of faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.